0: Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Mount Horeb United Methodist Church. My name is Daniel Stavanis, and I'm the director of student ministry here. We may have put two and two together. The people in the previous video are indeed my parents, Mark and Denise, missionaries in Italy. They've been missionaries over there for over 30 years now. And I just wanted to take a moment to say thank you to each and every one of you guys who have reached out with a phone call or a text or seen me in passing and said, how are they doing? And I'm happy to say, as you've seen in the video, they are they're doing well. They're located in the south of Italy and very much like our situation here, the northern area was hit a little bit harder. And so they were able to take measures and precautions to uh, avert the situation, to quarantine, to be a little stricter with that and to not have as big of a fallout during this time. So thank you guys for reaching out. And thank you guys for donating uh, your generous support. Whenever you give to our missions fund, a portion of that goes to help the work that they're doing there with Italian churches, discipling and ministering to other people in that country. So thank you guys for that. We're going to be talking a little bit more about what they're doing and about our missionaries uh, as we start continuing the series the next 40 days. You see, we talked about at Easter time how Jesus came back to life. He conquered the grave. I mean, that's huge. That's so important for us as followers of Christ. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we make such a big deal of it. Because Jesus, who, who died, then came back to life and provides life for each and every one of us. And over the last few weeks, we've been taking a look at what Jesus has done, some of the ministry that has taken place after his resurrection. The 40 days before, uh, between his resurrection and between his ascension, which we're going to get to as well. What has gone on, what he has done, the miracles he has accomplished, the people he has talked to, some of the conversations he has had. Last week, we talked about his conversation with Peter and how he restored Peter back into ministry. And Peter had denied him three times and three times God went and said, do you love me? Almost like forgiving him for that. Uh, He he talked with Thomas who was doubting. And and today we're continuing in this conversation of what happened during that time. In John chapter 20, this is right after the conversation that Jesus has with Thomas, what Pastor Jeff taught about a few weeks ago. In verse 30, there's this this verse, there's this portion, these two verses that if you were to read through it quickly, you almost would miss them. I don't know if you've ever done it before where you're, you're so focused on something that you miss the small details. Maybe you've tried to cook something, you're baking or you have a recipe that you're following and you got confused with the baking soda and the baking powder and it turns out there is a big difference between those two. Or maybe you're putting Legos together with your son and you missed a step and the spaceship is looking a little bit more like a dinosaur now. I don't know what it is, but the the small details are super important. And there's these two verses here after the story of Jesus talking to Thomas that could almost get overlooked. verse 30 and verse 31, it says, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which were not written in this book. But these are written so you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Did you miss it? It says, now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. You see, what it's saying is that there's other things that went on, other conversations that were had, other things that happened, other miracles that aren't recorded. You see, the two words that are key here, the first one is many. There is a lot of these things that, that aren't recorded. And the other one is signs. Signs refers typically in the book of John to miracles. And so he's saying, uh, time out, pause, there's other miracles that happened here that I'm not even telling you about. You see, it's interesting because I like to use my, my holy imagination for a second and think, well, what were some of those signs? What were some of those things that happened? What were some of those things that went on uh, that, that, that aren't recorded? You see, the, the miracles that Jesus did in the book of John are, are so well crafted in, in place that I start to think like, well, what other ones are, are we missing? Like when Jesus turned water into wine, I think, well, was there ever a time that he turned water into apple juice or maybe root beer or vanilla Coke? I mean, hello, that stuff's amazing. I, I just wonder, and I think when Jesus went off to pray, was there ever a time, and maybe I shouldn't think this, but was there ever a time after he was done praying that he just was in the mood for a cheesecake? And he went off to the side and there it was. I don't know. But I do wonder what were some of the other things that he did? What were the other miracles? What were the other conversations that he had with people? Jesus is so loving in the way he interacts with the humans that are hurting, that are broken, like the woman caught in adultery or the woman at the well or some of the people that that he talks to and the way he teaches. And I wonder what other conversations were there that, that we don't see. What other miracles? You see, if you flip over one page, To John 21, at the end of this book, he also says, John continues in verse 25, he says, There were also many other things that Jesus did, and if every one of them was to be written, I suppose that the world itself could not contain the books that it would be written in. Now, he's speaking hyperbole. He's using exaggeration for effect, but he's saying, Jesus did so many incredible things. We can't record all of them. And here's the ones that we have recorded and so that question started to stir in my mind as I was thinking about this, as I was thinking about Jesus coming back and spending 40 days with the disciples and 40 days meeting people and doing more miracles and more signs, I immediately start to think, well, well, what is recorded and why are these certain things recorded? And then what isn't recorded and why is it not recorded? What, what things did God do? Why is it intentionally inserted into here? And what things are, did he do that we don't know about? And why is it not inserted into here? And so the first question is probably a little bit easier answer. What things did he do that, that is recorded? Well, why were they recorded? And it says here in verse 31, after it says that many of these signs that, that aren't written in this book, it says, but these ones are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. You see, in writing style, we have a thesis. And whenever you write a paper, at some point you insert your thesis. This is what I'm trying to proclaim. This is what I'm trying to prove. This is what I'm trying to show. And John puts his thesis, or some Bibles say the purpose of this book, at this point in the book where he says the purpose, the reason for me writing is because I want you to get these things. And so he's very carefully picked the the miracles, picked the stories, picked the conversations so that as we read them, we may believe in Jesus. And then in believing in Him, we might be saved. It's his thesis. But the question of what things are not recorded or why are they not recorded has started getting me to think. And and my thesis is that God wants to teach us certain things by what isn't recorded, that God desires to remind us by not putting everything in this book, He wants to remind us a couple of things. And the first thing that I think He wants to remind us of is to have a different perspective. We need to have a different perspective when it comes to how we're viewing life. You see, a perspective on life comes through so many things, but it starts based on our own lives our own experience the things that we've seen the things that we've done every single one of us has had a certain level of uh, of memories of life lived of places you've grown up of conversations in your family of things that shape the way that you look at life and Jesus wants us to look at things through his perspective sometimes we have to change we have to have a change of perspective that's so true right now during this time of quarantine, during COVID-19. The way that we view things can be so easily influenced by our circumstances. When we look at the inconvenience that it's causing us, we look at the places where we can't go. We look at the, 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 the time at home that might be hard, it might be welcomed, but still difficult. And entertaining kids and, and, and running around the house and, and not being able to go to certain places, having activities canceled we look at this through our lens through our perspective but it's important that we view this through the perspective of the world that's why each week we've been asking missionaries to send in videos and prayers to say how are you experiencing this what are you seeing this like what else is out there certainly for people who have experienced a a loved one or, or a friend or someone who has passed away or gotten sick with with covid it's such a different perspective than just the inconvenience of of our routine being uprooted we need to be able to shift our perspective you know, when, when this first happened, when, when our quarantine first started, I remember when it wasn't bad in South Carolina yet, I, I called my parents because Italy was one of the main places that had been affected. And I remember calling and asking my parents, like, are you okay? Are you safe? And, and in my mindset of wanting to help them, immediately I was thinking, like, you need to come back here. We need to fly you home. You're going to be safe here. And, and my perspective was just of taking care of them. And this light conversation I had with my mom, I just remember her saying to me, her biggest concern was the food bank that their church has and being able to provide it with, with food for the people that are in need. She said, man, we, we've been filling and stocking this food bank, but what if we run out? What if the people who are in need of food aren't able to come and get food? What if they're not able to, to keep working and have the money to shop? And how would they come get food here? Her biggest concern, and, and this is probably true of most missionaries, their biggest concern is for the needs of others and not with their own inconvenience, their own problem, their own issues are. If I've, asked, I've asked my parents, like, what, what is the positive that's come out of this? What have you seen during this time? And they've talked to me about how if you shift your perspective, although it's been difficult and an inconvenience and tough, the Italian church is starting to grow and is starting to, to learn even how to use technology very much to how we do it. They're starting to do live streams and they're starting to have Zoom calls and they've been able to be partnered to, with other people in the church and pray over the phone with them. Some people for the first time to, to understand, you can pray over the phone with someone. You can have a conversation that, that helps them, encourages them even through the phone. We need to be able to shift our perspective and just because we don't see all that God is doing We need to be able to shift the way we look at what He is doing. The second thing that we need to do is we need to start to trust more. We need to be able to trust that God is doing something great, that God is accomplishing something even in the midst of difficult times. You see, at the beginning of our quarantine time, I celebrated a birthday. And I, well, I'll just go ahead and tell you I cheated one time on the quarantine, I snuck out. I went to go see some friends, it was for my birthday, it was people that I know really well and I had lived with some of them and and I went to their house and and we had a small birthday celebration. And during this time we, we ordered some food, we watched a movie and at the end of the night we started doing a puzzle on their dining room table. I hadn't done puzzles in years. And when I was a kid, I loved puzzles, but my brothers were so much better at puzzles than I was. Whenever we would start a puzzle, I remember doing the corners and, and helping and color coding and, and I would usually get tired and go to bed. And by the next morning when I'd wake up, I'd see that, that they had stayed up almost all night and almost completed all of it and only the hard parts were left. And I just wasn't interested. But starting this puzzle, I just got excited again. I thought to myself, this is a great idea. I need to have a puzzle, I need to do a puzzle right now during quarantine. I know Amazon has been a little backed up, and I didn't want to add stress to that. So I was like, I'm not going to go out and buy a puzzle. I'll do the next best thing. So I downloaded a puzzle app on my iPad. I thought, this is going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Well, it's not the same, but it's still fun. And so I took the puzzle app. I started browsing through the different images and looking at the different options. And I remember finding one that I thought, man, this looks great. This looks awesome. I picked that and suddenly it scattered to a bunch of pieces. Now on on the app, you can pick how many pieces you want to do. So I started with like a conservative number and I started working my way up to harder ones. But when the the puzzle pieces scattered, I started putting them together. I noticed there wasn't the image that I had selected. There wasn't the guy. There wasn't this, this picture for me to look at. I thought that was kind of weird. I said, man, it'd be great to have a box right about now. So I kept putting the pieces together and figuring out and figuring it out and eventually I finished the puzzle. I remember the next day I picked another one and same thing. Once I picked it, the pieces scattered and there was no image guide. And this happened for like two or three puzzles and when I got to my fourth one, it was a lot harder. And I remember thinking, I can't finish this without the box. I don't remember what the image was supposed to look like. So I went to the settings and I found out, oh, there is a way to pull the image back up. And suddenly it was easy peasy, so, so good, so done, I was done within minutes. You see, sometimes we have pieces and we don't have the clear, full picture. And that frustrates us. That makes us upset. But we have to trust that God has the whole picture. He's the one that sees everything. He's the one that has the picture guide because he created us. He made us. You see, in Scripture, there's a story of Job. And and if you have extra time and you're like, man, I need to, to read some more Scripture, take some time during this quarantine and read through the book of Job. Because in the book of Job, God goes through, and, and, and you know the story, Job loses so much of what he owns and loses family members and, and everything gets turned upside down. And he starts to have these, these laments. He starts to complain. He starts to get frustrated with God. And eventually he has this conversation with God where he, he says to him, like, why is this happening? Why are you allowing this? I don't understand. I don't see the whole picture. And he, he has like this, this argument with God. And God simply says to him, Job, were you there at the foundation of the earth? Job, were you there when I put the the stars in the sky and the sand on the beach? Job, if you were to be in charge for one day of all of this, would you know what to do? Would you know how to handle this? And the truth and the answer that's implied is, no, Job would not know how to do that because he isn't God. We need to trust in the fact that God is sovereign and he knows all that is going on. He sees everything that is happening. He sees your situation. He sees every situation from the most difficult to, to to the simplest. And he cares about all those situations. And so even though we don't see everything that God has done, everything that Jesus does in those 40 days, we can have a change of perspective and start to trust that God is in control, that he knows what he's doing. And finally, our our desired outcome is that we would start to obey, that we would start to obey what God is asking us to do. In James 1, it talks about being not just hearers of God's word, but being doers of his word being people who are willing to go and to take His Word and to put it into practice. We have to be people who are willing to trust what God is saying, trust what He's teaching us, trust that He sees the whole picture and be able to obey and put that into practice. My, my dad used to tell me the story of a family that was missionaries in this jungle area and they had a little house, a little hut that backed up to this jungle brush. And the, the story he used to tell me was that the dad came out to check on the boys playing in the backyard one day And one of the boys in the backyard had his back to the jungle. And one of the trees that was hanging over the jungle had a snake on it. The snake was coiled up on one of the branches and and saw the boy. The boy didn't see the snake, but as the snake was there, he was kind of looking uh, towards the sun, ready to strike. And so the dad immediately called out to the son. He said, son, I need you to get down on your hands and knees and I need you to crawl towards me immediately. Well, the son obeyed. He got on his hands and knees, crawled immediately towards his dad. And when the snake tried to strike, missed the boy. Now, my dad used to always say, what do you think would have happened if the boy asked why? And I was like terrorized (laughs) with tears in my eyes thinking like, why are you telling me this? And, and, And I don't know if this story is true or if he just made it up to scare me as a boy or to get me to obey. But it is so true that when God asks us to do something, we must obey. Whatever he's telling of us, whatever he's teaching us, whatever he's showing us, we need to be able to put that into practice. Whatever change of perspective, whatever area we need to trust, We also need to go and put it into action. You know, I'm not sure what God is doing in your heart during this time. I'm not sure how he's stirring. But probably like everyone else, you're living this whole COVID-19 situation in in a very particular way, in a very unique way to you. Maybe you don't know people who have gotten sick or or maybe you're you're terrorized and and, and are at risk and and think this is very, very serious. Whatever you're experiencing, however way you're living this time, it's important that we shift our perspective and start to try to see what is God teaching me through this. Now, we've said this again and again. No, God is not causing this. He's not making this happen. But, but certainly he can work through it and he can teach us things. And if we trust that he has the big picture, that he has the full picture in mind, that we can lean back and we can rely on him, then we could ask ourselves, God, what are you teaching me? What are you asking me to do? And how can I move forward in obedience? No matter what God is doing, no matter what he is showing you, maybe we we don't see every aspect of it. Maybe we don't understand every detail of it. Maybe like in John, there's so many other things that God is doing that, that aren't recorded, that we don't see. But still we can ask ourselves. Still we can say, God, what are you teaching me? And how can I obey? Would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you so much for your scripture. Thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray today during this season that each and every one of us would be reminded, that you are still in control. You are still on the throne. Father, that even though we don't know every detail of your plan, even though we don't know every little thing that you are doing, still you are guiding us, still you are showing us, and still you have our best interest in mind. And Father God, whatever you are asking us to do, whether it's to believe in you more, whether it's to rely on you, whether it's to to start something new, whether it's to reach out to someone in need, whatever it is that you're asking of us, Father, may we trust you, may we obey you, May we put into practice that which you're asking of us. Jesus, be glorified in our lives each and every day. We ask these things in your precious name. Amen.